This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. Matt Bungard is not here. He's currently on his way to Las Vegas trying to organise an Ocean Eleven style heist where the prize, the Premiership Trophy itself. But I have spared no expense in replacing him for our Brisbane Broncos preview, our esteemed guest. You know who it had to be. It's the editor-at-large, a boom rookie's titan, Mitch Doyle. Mitch, how are you, man? Good, mate. Good, everybody. Weird way to find out how Bungard's not supporting his house anymore, going over looking for the premiership trophy. Well, ha! Got him! The he first, must be, you know. The first of what I, I assume will be many uh, shots at a defenceless Bertrand as he Bertrand. cowers beneath the sphere, hoping that his plan has not gone belly up. Before we get to the preview with Mitch, I just want to give you guys one more reminder um, about the Coltrane Cup tipping competition that we run through our Patreon. If you want to sign up, you really have to do so before round one, because if you fall around behind, it can be really, really hard to catch up. The basic premise is you only pick one game every week. Uh, you have to pick every team in the NRL over the course of the season. You can only pick every team a certain number of times. The rules are really simple. We have explainers on our socials. And if you want to get involved, just go onto our Patreon and sign up. It's available to all the tiers, and it's a whole lot of fun. So please go and do that. Mitch, something that wasn't a whole lot of fun for you was the grand final last year. Uh, it's the second uh, time. Oh, go on. Why? It was fun for you. It, for a while. Like, it wasn't all doom and gloom until obviously the final whistle, but I had... I had some good moments in there. But they were, the, the doom and gloom was quite uh, overpowering, I would say. That was the overarching sentiment, yeah, yes, and yeah. of my existence <laughs> since that said day, yes. But there was a good, there was a 15-minute period there that was not such doom and gloom where we probably got the best grand final individual performance from a player ever, or best at least 10-minute period. You'll never see a 10-minute period like that again, but that's yeah. gone. Yeah. We don't care no more. It didn't happen. It won't be on the highlight reels. Won't be in all the Fox cuts and nine cuts this year, but it happened. I was there. Is it not going to be on the Fox cuts because the Broncos mafia has memory hold it? Memory hold the entire history of that game. Oh, it'd be that that Cleary step, which really does like the, the, the Thurston field goal really stung me watching that on replay. The Cleary step has not stung me, but I think it might be the the full impact of those wounds will be known in the coming 24 months, I think. I don't want to like psychologically pull you apart here, but why hasn't it bothered you as much? Uh, because 2015, that team never really felt like the best team in the competition. That team had a chance to win the competition, but throughout that year, I'd never really had a moment. It was There was a moment in the season, so when I thought they were a chance to win the comp, when they went to South and absolutely smashed South down there, when they put, you know, that game where Corey Oates drags um, Dylan Walker 15 minutes and scores. Incredible. I shit. thought they could win the comp from then, but that team was not really in that window of rugby league one of the dominant forces. They were that year, but around that time, they're still sitting around that rooster side of that, that, that era there. South had just had that dip year at that point, uh, but it also had the storm and what the Cowboys were, and also the Sharks win at the after. But there was a lot of really strong teams, and they were in that cluster of strong teams. And it felt worse for mine because it felt like that was the chance. Like, you had to win that one because you're probably not making it back to another, and they didn't. 
Like that also had that team had a lot of dudes who were like been at Brisbane for a long time. Like this was their chance to win it as well. Like yeah, and you had guys come back. And uh yeah, that that did that obviously didn't happen. Whereas last year felt like they actually were and we saw it anyway, even in the grand final, until the last few minutes and on try scored, they were as good as Penrith. They were as good as the best team in the competition. They were equal to the best team in the competition. They were really dominant for most of that season. And it just feels like that team is good enough to keep doing that from here on. Like they, there's, there's still opportunity for that team to win competitions from here. It doesn't feel like a window shut or that they let one get away. Yes, they did obviously blow the biggest lead in the grand final history, but they, they pushed a team that hadn't been pushed to a point where they were desperate enough that they yanked Isaiah Yo and Jerome Luai off the field. And it worked. It worked for them. But that's the point they pushed Penrith to, you know, and it, the game got away from them. They lost it, whatever. But if you look at anything but the points, and I know that's something we look at in the game, but they had no field position, nothing on the other end of the field, were stuck in their own end, made a ton of errors. It was like 35 degrees there, and they only just got done. Um, and they've kept most of that team together for mine. Like, they've kept the important parts. And they've guys like Reese Walsh, who I just think we can already see that he is, you know, one of, one of, if not the most electric player in the competition right now. And it's his moment. And I feel like his moments are still to come. We have guys like him. We have that backline, that forward pack, Haas, Carrigan, similar. It's not the same as 2015. 2015 didn't really have the best players in the competition. It was a great team with lots of good players. This Brisbane team has four or five of the best players in the competition in it. I'm glad you brought up those years after 2015 because that's something I've been thinking about a lot since the grand final. I I was, you know, I think everyone was very high on the Brisbane teams in 16, 17, 18, but there were just mm-hmm. circumstances beyond their control that sort of stopped them from getting back to the grand final. Yeah. And that was something I was concerned that might happen to this Brisbane team because some teams do only get one shot at it because things then go awry. I'm pretty confident that won't happen. And it seems like you're in a pretty good place about the loss and about where the team's going this year. But how do you think the team itself handles it? Because, you know, it is a lot of young guys, a lot of guys with a lot of uh, bulletproof confidence up to that point. I don't think they imagined that they could lose the grand final until they actually lost it. So how do you see the team sort of dealing with it? I think if there's one thing I've proven over the last few years, Campo, when I've come on here now, when I finished up, is that I actually know this current Broncos lot pretty well. I might have been delusional in the past over players and young talents and got a lot of that wrong, but I actually think I, I know this lot quite well and I've got a lot of that right and how I see them. And, and there is obviously some hope in what I'm saying, but the, even the quotes I read the day after the grand final, they seem pretty screwed on that, Again, they got it done by a great team and a great player, and the game kind of got away from them right at the end there. They were gassed. It happened. I think they're going to be able to move on from it because a lot of them are too young to let the demons hold. I don't know if I can back Adam Reynolds to play well in a grand final because he mm. hasn't done it twice it's now. Two in a row now, brother, yeah. Two in a row, and he looked miserable. But I, And obviously, they're all desperate after the grand final, but a lot of the quotes I heard him talk about was like, you know, lost to a great team, you know, clear had his moment, whatever. Things went a bit wrong, but we took it to them. We got that lead. We showed what we can do. We'll be back. And there's one thing this team has shown, mate. Like the year before, they, they dropped out of that eight with a really embarrassing way of falling out of the eight and a lot of pressure on them, a lot of pressure on Kevy, a lot of pressure on that club. 
they bounce back from that. I know it's a different type of thing to bounce back from, but they've shown they've got a lot of fortitude in those things, a lot of confidence and ability back in themselves. And, and I think sometimes you don't have to lose one to win one, obviously. That's, I, think, I don't believe in that at all. But I do think it does help the hunger sometimes. And one thing they said almost instantly, some of those groups, those guys quite, you heard them say that like Penrith lost their first one. You know, mm. they said that that's it. They drove Penrith. Well, it can drive us. And that happening so recently probably helps Brisbane move on from it because they can sit there and believe, yeah, look, Penrith, that happened to Penrith and they did it. You know, we, we're just going to do what they did. And I think that they might be able to shake that off a bit, a bit better than, uh, than that 2015 team could have, which again, had a lot of guys that probably felt like their last chance. And it was. <laughs> I think it's smart to draw that parallel to Penrith because Penrith that season had such a hunger for success. They, they, uh, a, a desperation to win that you really only get when you're on the way up. And I thought yeah. Brisbane had that same thing in them last year. Like it was clear how important it was to them to win and excel and really rip this shit apart. And when Penrith lost their grand final, it only made them want it more. And I think there's a chance yeah. that this Brisbane team is like that. You know, I, I think there is a chance that it just makes them even more furiously determined to succeed. But before we get there, there are a couple of, pretty big name players who are out. I want to start with the guy who was probably best of them last year, Herbie Farnworth. Selwyn Cobbo is going to move to left centre. There's probably some other ships around in the outside backs. How are you feeling about that move from with Cobbo going to centre? And how do you see him sort of replacing what Farnworth had offered last year when he was so strong? Yeah, there's, I know it's going to sound bitter now. And I love Herbie. I wish him well. A great player. Won a champion for a long time. Champion for a long time. But Herbie at points, when you're a fan of any of these teams, you have a player something like that, he shat me. Like that's just the reality is that <laughs> he he scored a lot of great individual tries, a lot of them, a lot of brilliant tries. Didn't love, didn't love, didn't love Parson. Did not bomb not two a, tries in the grand final, mate. Like and that that stuff's because he's a popular player. That stuff's been lost in the ether. But if Reese Walsh threw the two passes Herbie threw, we'd be hearing about them still where he bombed a try off a scrum and then he threw a pass he didn't have to back on the infield where we were up, up at their end when we were on, on, you know, 15 minutes out from their line. He threw a pass that was an off-target pass that we dropped. If he Those two things, like those are two massive moments in that game and almost nothing's been said about them because he's a, a popular guy who's gone to a different club. And that's not to say Herbie isn't one of the best centres in the competition and on his day, if not the best. But Brisbane knew who the important players were, kept them... And then have replaced them with guys. Selwyn Cobbo goes into centre. And as we've seen today in the team list, Dean Mariner comes into the starting side on the wing. And Corey Oates still isn't in the best 17. Mm. Like, are we really losing that much? And Selwyn obviously has some things to prove at centre. And he probably has still things to prove as a week-to-week first grader still. And that's, you know, it's good. There's opportunity for someone to prove himself now. But I, we even saw in that one trial that he played that the different things between... Herbie and Selwyn is that Selwyn was happy with it doing it the easy way. Like we saw, I know it's only a trial, but you still get signs of what the players they are. But two of the tries Brisbane scored, the first one was just quick hands from Selwyn to Oates, Oates in the corner. Oates looked up at him stunned and happy when he scored as if he got the ball passed to him. Uh, he scored another try competing for a bomb with the individual brilliance and beating the fullback. And then the other try scored up the middle of the field was simply a nice in and away from Welsh, an out ball to to Cobbo and I think if Herbie's in that spot we score but Herbie takes the fullback on does like a pirouette scores an amazing try all Cobbo did was 
took 10 steps, jogged, drew the fullback, passed under the post we score. Mm. Not as flashy, not as cool, but we got there, got took the easier route, and it worked. So there's definitely moments with Selwyn, as there will be, when he gets disengaged. Again, even in that trial, one of the tries they can see, you just stopped to wrap the ball, forgot to wrap the ball up on someone. But he's a guy with a lot of talent that they could be backing in at that left center spot. And the thing is, if it doesn't work out at worst, is that they'll just put Mariner there hmm. or Arthur's there. But I think Cobble will, will be like a duck to water that, that position because I actually think a center is a position you can get away with disengaging a bit more than you can on the wing. You don't have to be every fifth tackle, you don't have to drop back a main position. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I When they announced that Cobo was moving to centre, I was a little bit surprised just because I was so zeroed in on Dean Mariner playing there. Like, I'm a, an enormous, yeah. enormous fan. I thought the progression that he made from his rookie season in 22 – oh, his rookie season, he played like two games in 22. 2023 looked like a different level of athlete. I loved what he was putting down. I was excited to see him there. But the more I thought about it, the more I came around to Cobo playing there for a lot of the reasons that you just mentioned, you know. On the wing, he could get – Exposed is the wrong word because he's still playing for Queensland and Australia and he can still offer so much, but he can drift out of games sometimes. And sometimes he can uh don't want to I don't want to say I don't want to say he's lazy or anything like that, but sometimes no. he could have a blue in him because he's just not quite as focused as he has to be. And at center, I don't think that'll be as much of a problem, you know. And I, I like the idea of having a, a center who has a great running game, but can also distribute a little bit as well. I'm really looking forward to Cobo sort of perfecting the, the old right hand fend left arm flick out the back drawing in the winger while he's doing it. Like that classical center stuff. I feel like he's going to be pretty good at that. He's got those long levers. I think he'll get adept at setting up his wingers. Mm-hmm. So it's a different kind of strength to Farnworth. who's a lot more direct with his play and probably a lot more of a, uh, power runner than a graceful runner like Cobo is. But just because the weapon's different doesn't mean it'll be any less blunted. Um I'm very I'm very excited to see Mariner out there. I really can't stress that enough. I think he's gonna be I think he's gonna take the league by storm this year. I agree. Like I've I've said this to you many a time as well and I know I've seen many a Broncos fan get laughed at for saying on the internet as well. But I know they're not it doesn't mean they're going to be a better player and development's not linear, but people sometimes forget that like, you know, Herbie's 24 now. He was in his fifth season of first grade last year. A lot of time invested in him. And, and honestly, before 2022, wasn't a lot of people who were loving Herbie, you know, in 2021, he played 20 games, scored three tries. You know, it doesn't really jump off the pages. It's an outstanding prospect, but he ended up growing into himself and had a great two years at Brisbane, the last couple and getting poached. But guys like Mariner and Coppo as well. Coppo's 21. All the rep football he's already paid, played young. He's done his apprenticeship on the wing. And they had to find a way to get him. The, he's not going to play fullback for Brisbane ever. Yeah. Unless Walsh is hurt. But they had to find a way to get him a bit more involved in different ways. And probably, I don't want to, again, I don't want to focus on his mistakes or errors or anything. But help him by getting, putting him in better situations to succeed. Because there is some sets like Selwyn, we've seen it before, to be tackle one. It'll go down the blind side for some reason, on a yardage carrying it put out. Let's not do that, Selwyn. You know, <laughs> let's, you know let's just not. Make good choices, or drop Selwyn. a bomb sometime. He might take seven great catches and just drop an easy bomb, drop yeah. the easiest one. Yeah, you know? but, but it's easier It's easier to not hide, but it's easier to carry a mercurial player like that in the centres because he's harder, to, have, he's, hard, he's harder to target in that way. There's more ways to target someone on the wing than there is in the centres. And he's more of a surprise matchup there, right? You don't know we're kicking a Selwyn. 
when he's in the centers often. On tackle five, we saw it again in that trial. They put a midfield kick up for him and he took on the fullback. Like, you know, when someone's on the wing and we're, and we're it's tackle five, you're kicking across the field, you know what's going on. Mm. You know what's coming. There's a few more different ways to use him at the center there. But with Mariner, what you bring in, and I know, again, it's not the same thing, but my comparison, I think I said to you, Campo, one time was that in the NFL or American sports, they have things called like their five-star high school recruit, you know, or whatever level recruit. And that doesn't mean you turn out to be the best player in the NFL, but coming out of high school, Dean Mariner was a five-star recruit. He was considered the best young back in the country at that time. And then he was played first grade and proven he has lots of potential. Herbie was not that guy. Yeah. Herbie's further in the past than Dean is. But I, I truly believe that Dean can be as good as Herbie is in a different position and in different ways. And we saw last year as well, some of his smarts when he played, even small things like when they played the Warriors at the end of that game where he got tugged on the jersey uh, and they Warriors scored in the corner. Doesn't seem like much to anyone, many people, but him taking the dive essentially is smart footy. Yeah. He got yanked. He stopped and still and appealed to the ref. A younger player, not as smart, would still just pull out, pull, keep running, pull out of that and watch the try get scored and nothing happens in the video, video review. But he's a talented player. We've already seen great hands, not afraid of anything and looks the part in first grade. Like, not overall. Every time he scored a try, he looks like he's supposed to be scoring first grade tries. Different players, but he kind of reminds me of Daniel Tupo when he first started scoring tries, but he didn't seem to care. So, yeah, I, I do still this don't think he cares. I've never seen he does Tupo it. celebrate it's, like... But Mariners are saying though, is I just do this is what I do. I put the yeah. like I score. Tis no man. Down and just walk tis, tis a remorseless yeah. try scoring machine. So they just I don't I'm not going to say that the backline is going to be better this year, but I don't think they lose anything. It's just it's just it's just it's, just it's it's still dangerous, yeah. just in a different way. That uh, improvement in players has been a real hallmark for Brisbane over the last couple of years, particularly in the forwards. Tom Flegler, I thought, was one of the big improvers. Last season, I think Brisbane are going to miss his aggression up front. Who are you sort of looking to to fill that void? Because there's a bit of a particular role in the team. They've got Haas for meters. They've got Carrigan for meters and passing. So the third guy I want in that rotation is like a real bone chewer. I want someone who's good yeah. frighten the pain off walls. What are you looking yeah, for look, uh... in whoever replaces Flegler? And who do you think can give it to you? I'm not mad at Tom Flegler for living either. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> like, just because like he was a guy that we had and you know sometimes we throw he got thrown in the deep end like many of that Broncos team did probably played too much first grade at too young of an age too many minutes but he really ironed out the kinks yeah he all very, the very aggression so. mistakes finally became like actually decent aggression he was playing with on the line instead of stepping over the line put the best season together in his career and he'd already signed to leave and um I know they'll never say it publicly, but I'd love to know how him and Herbie are feeling, actually feeling right now. And potentially they probably don't know how they're feeling about the move until a couple of years from now, because it's a tough time to leave a club like that with all your mates that are on the up. But uh, it's probably something that now had to happen for Brisbane with the immediacy that happened with other contracts at that club, like Ezra taking off and similar. They needed some cap to move on. They had offers and flag that was fine. But I don't. I think he's going to be harder to replace in the immediate future than Herbie is, just because even though I think you can have a two-man middle of just Carrick and Haas, and maybe me or you could play the other spot for twenty minutes. Can you imagine? Maybe, maybe, he, yeah. maybe one of us gets twenty minutes each. Yeah, exactly. We could do it. Like, yeah. I think the first or last twenty, we we'll, we could do it. And, and then we can be best mates I'm with Pat Carrigan. 
Yeah, and I'll just go off when, when Pat goes off or Payne goes off. I just follow him off. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're, 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 a, we're, a, we're a combination. <laughs> we're a combination. Yeah, we, I, I got to be out there with him. Yeah, on and off, off to go. That's it. But, <laughs> um, but like he showed last year, he really wanted to stand up and be counted. Like he put his hand at the play round 27 and said he was definitely playing when all the other guys got rested. Like obviously showed himself as a bit of a leader. And he was trying to make an impact on the game in ways he could. We like he was shooting out of the line a lot, leading the line speed, playing with real aggression. And he's one of those guys as well. He doesn't look that that much when you're watching him, but I have no doubt people would hate tackling him. Mm. So you've got this like he's just bone. Yeah, just a big bone country boy. He's ate, he ate nothing nope. but bananas until he was 15 years old. That potassium has turned his bones exactly. into fucking iron. That's it. And uh I, I think, and he had some late footwork to him as well. It, so that one kind of sucks. And I do think they will survive without him. They'll rely on Patty and Payne as much as they already did. And then it'd probably be Corey Jensen. Well, it is Corey Jensen to start the year. And they've done that before. I mean, Flegler was never always the walk-up start towards till towards the end of last year. Probably be Corey Jensen for a little while. But you're really just hoping, you know, someone like a Fletcher Baker or a Xavier Willison really puts their hand up. And to be fair, they both had the potential to do that. Uh, we've already seen, like, Willison's already shown flashes as a first-grade footballer when he's played for Brisbane so far. And maybe it's him, but they're not going to have anyone of the same calibre as Flegel. Like, they're, all, they're very different players. And maybe you want some more Kobe hitman stuff, more aggression out of Kobe. And we did see Paddy Carrigan got a little angry as well as the year went on, but I do think they might miss a bit of his energy in the middle. He just brought something different to to Carrigan and Haas, and he finally found how to compliment them really well. Willison would probably be my pick to be starting by the end of the season. I agree with you that they're probably yeah. going with Jensen at the start because he's very solid, puts up good numbers, but I also think there's a reason that he wasn't there during the push for the grand final. Willison would probably be my long-term pick to do it, but I guess the the strength here is there's there's guys to choose from. You know, like Fletcher Baker, I thought, played some pretty good footy for the Roosters last year. Different kind of player to Flegler, probably a bit more mm -hmm. uh, of a skillful player than out-and-out out aggression. Um, I don't know how they go with Kobe Hetherington up there. I don't know if we keep offering the size, but I love him as a player. And the only thing I would so oh, – one of the very few things – that I haven't liked about Pat Carrigan's rise is we've just gotten less Kobe Hetherington than I would have liked. I think he's a genuine starter in first grade. I think he's sort of a, a bit the same with Barnworth and Flegler. They regret and leave. Yeah. I think Hetherington could have left and could have got a job at a lot of clubs, but he's sticking around to sort of see what they got going. There's always going to be good young forwards at the Broncos. The biggest one ever is Ben Takura. I think he's the biggest bloke ever to play in the NRL like 205 yeah. centimetres or something insane like that. Maybe he comes off the bench late in the year and does a bit of that rock break, rock breaking shit. Like there's options, there's options. And as long as there's options in this Broncos pack, I feel like it's something they can figure out. That's been a real strength of their program over the last couple of yeah. years. With the back yeah, row, it, it, it doesn't seem to be an option. It seems to be an ascension. Kurt Catewell's out. I know you had your problems with him last year. Brendan Piakura's in. He's a guy you and I have liked for a really long time now. I think, I think, as opposed to the other two departures, I think Piakura in for Kate was going to be an upgrade. You know what shocks me with Piakura is that he's only 21. He does turn 22 soon, but it felt like I've been waiting for him for so long that he was older than that. Uh, and it probably means, my, yeah, my expectations were high. 
And I just remember him playing these first couple of games again last year. And I was like, shit, am I wrong on this guy? <laughs> you know, it doesn't, doesn't seem to all be there. You know, he's not up to the physical physicality of it every, you know, every set. And, but yeah, he really came on a leaps and bounds. And if he didn't get hurt towards the end of the year, who knows if he, if Kurt will, Kurt comes back into starting, I don't know, but he, yeah, he's made that job. He's his own, obviously over this off season. And I just think, I know that they've probably got back row depth issues and we'll see how the year goes like that. Like after those two, what it's probably they move Carrigan there and start Kobe or something, or Jaden Hunt comes into the side and plays on an edge. But there really isn't much else in that in that squad that can play on the edge. So they are very tied to two guys who haven't been great at staying fit all season. But I really think his ascension is very important for this, this Broncos side because Kurt had his games. But he also had his games, you know. He had both sides <laughs> of the coin. There like, are had games. games. Had his uh, games. Yeah. There are games, and games, yeah. and Kurt exactly. Had yeah, Kurt had him. He did. He went his important signing for Brisbane. He was. He kind of stopped the rot of all the players leaving. They got them. They had. They got a, a, an Origin footballer to sign, go there, and then after that, they got Reynolds as well. He was an important signing for Brisbane, but you know, he had his. He wasn't great in that grand final. Had some really cool moments, like when he when he burnt when he scored he burned Dylan Edwards to score a try. I forget who he burnt fullback. Oh, he he burnt um, the hammer in the in the first hammer, battle so of Brisbane, yeah. like a fifty meter, like sorry, an absolute yeah. stunner. And that was after he'd looked really below his best since the start yeah. of the season, and then all of a sudden he pulls that out. Yeah, and the field goal against South will always go down in history as just awesome. But like Piakura brings so much more to his game, and they haven't really had like. Still, Jordan Ricky had a great year, and he's found ways to impact the game that are his strengths. And that's what I think this team has done a good job. We mentioned with Flegler as well, but they found ways to emphasize the strength of some of these players and, and find ways to impact games. But Jordan Ricky will never be a great hole runner, ever. And he's what happens. It feels like an accident. He's stoked. And he only hits a, a ball hard, like on an angle and scores. Ricky's like the most stoked person in the stadium, like in surprise. <laughs> you guys see that? I ran over that dude. You see that? Kevin, I did it. Yeah. I did it. <laughs> I don't know how to do it again, but it, yeah, but it once happened. was enough. <laughs> yeah, but like watching Pierre and again, I know it's trials. But it was the same last year too. Really good hole runner, really hard to bring down, but also has a uniqueness in how he carries the ball. Has footwork, can carry the ball in two hands, can pass the ball. We haven't seen as much of that in first grade, but we'll probably see some of that this year as, as the year year opens up and he gets more confident and. His defense got a lot better as the year went. Last year went on. That's still going to be a thing. It's it's a hard thing to get used to. Back row in the NRL is the hardest position to defend, and none of us care. But it is because everything it all falls from you. The edge collapses from you on the on that on the back row spot. You've got to defend and look after the half next yeah. to you, and you've got to communicate. It's the hardest spot to defend. Something, There's going to be moments some, you see yeah, they can see tries because of him. Everyone at home, there's something I want you guys to watch. The next time your team concedes a try down an edge or a short side or something like that, take note of where the back rower is. I guarantee more than half the time they're at marker. So many teams' yeah. attacks is totally focused on getting the back row making a tackle. So they're at marker. So the, stru- so the structural integrity of the edge falls apart. Happens all the yeah. time. All the time. Yeah, that, that's why the teams are moving the ball to those channels to attack those channels. Get a back row at marker. You even see it when teams score from distance or they go down the short side. They'll catch a back row at marker and that's it. That's their sign. It's go. The hinge. And you'll, it's you'll the see hinge some... the whole edge swings on. Yeah, and when you're at a game, you can if you can hear it at the stadium, you'll hear halves call it as well. 
when someone's at marker and they'll go that way and attack them. But yeah, that's, and that's going to be a learning thing for him. But the thing with Kurt Capel is he wanted to be at marker. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> who I've, doesn't? I've, I've been up and back too many times, boys. I'll take this one. I've, I've got marker. He was there a lot. And a lot of the tries I conceded were through that part. And uh, I think Pia Kura will have a really good season. I just hope him, him and Ricky stay fit. And again, they showed last year that it, whilst it sucked, it felt like it sucked. They they had Carrigan on an edge, and they he developed there, and he they won games that way. So it's important they're fit for the big games and the finals. But uh, yeah, I don't think it's going to be if one of them misses a couple of games, it's not going to be season over like some people are acting alike. And Kurt Capewell moving on and giving that cap space is important for Brisbane because you can bring cap space forward. You can all that you can do it in the now. You can, you know, you can bring you can pay 500k from Kurt Cable's this salary this year straight to Ezra Man for next year. Like, it's a, so that's that money, makes that's money, good that's money ball, baby. Well, that's actual money, that's ball. actual signing money, bad ball, players. Yeah, yeah. signing bad that players with less money. That actually is. <laughs> yeah, signing bad players with less money, not money ball. <laughs> we call it money ball. <laughs> Maybe money ball was the friends we made along the way. But yeah, what I do find funny about this team though, Campo, I don't know it's a different topic, but like four years ago or three years ago, all people could talk about was Katoni Staggs. We don't, we haven't mentioned him once. Well, it was funny. He had the best year of his career last year. He's great. I thought, and he found a really great mix between attacking stuff and yardage work and he's getting a lot more involved. And apart from when Michael Lennis commentates Broncos games and calls for Katoni Stakes to get the ball every play, he kind of did drop off the map a little bit. I wonder how much that not great origin debut did for that, you know? Yeah. But you're right. We haven't, we haven't mentioned his name once. But that's it. But it's just showing like that's how strong this team has got across the park that a guy like Katoni Stakes is a bit of an afterthought, even though he probably still is their best outside back. Yeah, he oh he he'd definitely be up there. I do want to loop back to Pierre Quora uh, just for a second, and yeah. it's it's fortuitous that we're talking about centers while we do it because Pierre Quora has a rugby background, and I'm pretty sure he played a lot of center in rugby, mm-hmm. and you could see that when he first sort of got into the scene was playing Queensland Cup because he had that two hand carry that you were talking about. He wasn't and the step, hitting, yeah, he wasn't hitting holes like Boyd Cordner or anything like that. He was. He was the sort of back row. You get the ball to him early. You let him wind up. You let him create. I wonder if that maybe had, had stagnated his process a little bit. Um, but judging on last season, he's worked out how to run holes. He's a smart player with an understanding of space. I think of the the new the win over Newcastle up in Brizzy last year, and I think it was the I think it was his first try in first grade, and he hit a super hole yeah. off um, Mammal Reynolds. I'm already I'm already digging pretty deep here, but hit a line off one of them. And I was like, all right, he's here. He's here. This is it. This is the Pia Cora that we heard so much about. This is the Pia Cora that the Broncos spent so much money to keep. This is it. It's happening now. And once he sort of does that, then the next step is to start. And while Capewell always had big plays in him and could do big stuff, even in the trial for the Warriors on the weekend, he scored a try with a little kick. Well, he forced a dropout with a little kick through on the fourth tackle when it didn't look like a kick was on. He had that unorthodox stuff in him. But I think Piyakura is going to be a more consistent player. I think he's going to be a more dynamic running threat. He's going to make uh, a very fast, dangerous Brisbane team all the more dangerous. So I'm expecting a massive season from him. Yeah. Kurt Capewell would have been one of the best players in the 90s. Like we say oh, that often, he right? Won. But he's someone who could have played in the 90s, had the ball skill. Like, Mate, oh, if he played him. in the 90s, he would have had a series at 5-8 for Queensland. 
<laughs> yeah, Fatty, Fatty would have said, "Yep, look, we 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 needed we needed a winner in there, and Kurt's a winner, you know. So we just did it, yeah. and oh, I'd be ringing him up in twenty years later, saying, mate, how'd you react when the fat told you you'll pull it yeah. on that six jersey?'" And he'd have some arsey try that gets played before Origin every year, where he chipped to himself or something in that yeah, series, you 100%, know, 100%. on his own forty on tackle two. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd say things like, why don't the Blues ever have Kurt Capewells, you know? Why don't we <laughs> yeah, make guys exactly. like that? Yeah, exactly right. He would have been, he would have been great back then. He's still a good player now, but that was his era and he's missed that. But The, 1996, did, the 1996 yeah. Dally yeah. M winner, Kurt Capewell. <laughs> <laughs> and I know, he, um, I know it's only a trial again, but what made me smile in that trial was a simple short ball from Jock Madden. Pierre hit the hole. The halfback hit, grabbed him around the ankles. And Piakura broke that tackle. Mm. That has been the most dangerous tackle on Alex Glenn and Kurt Capel for the last six years. <laughs> the halfback around the ankles. They got they had no way out. They didn't know what to do. They just simply stop. <laughs> oh, he's got me. Because they couldn't get out of it. That's how we did it the nineties, son. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But yeah, I do think that there was it the issues with the, some of the issues with their attack last year, that's stupid thing to say. They had the best attack in the competition. Scored what 50 plus tries from outside other teams, 20 throughout the year, like bloody tour game, insane. But on the goal line, what they did miss in their shapes was that hard running back rower. Yeah. And creates, I hope creates, Piakura opens yeah. that up. There was already space for everyone. It just creates further space if you have another threat like it does. that, you know? Yeah. And it helps them. Like there was a few periods last year, you might remember near the other team's goal line, like, you know, Ezra Mam kind of stagnated. You know, they throw the ball left, he just hold the ball. And it's like, yeah, because mm. no one else is moving. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like they've changed that now that Pierre Kerr will be on his outside and you'll have Cobbo over there and potentially that might create some more for them. Who knows? But I hope it does anyway. I do think I'm very interested to see what happens with um with Cobbo at centre because we know how much Reynolds likes kicking at him and to mm-hmm. him. So it might open up the playbook in completely different ways than I, than I expected with him over there. On these shows, we like to pick out a young player to watch this year. Mitch, you know an obscene amount about junior football and the stars and all of that guys who are coming through. I remember when we were living together, you were recording Keeper Park High School games because you said there's two guys in this team that we have to look out for, Payne Haas and David Feeder. It was the first time I heard both those names. So someone who's very dialed in. So who's someone at the Broncos who's just coming on the scene who you're really pumped about? Well, that's just also my just love of young men, not in a weird way, like in a, in a, in a, in a, like, a in like a dude's rock way. It's a dude's rock way. It. The yeah. boy lover, Mitch Doyle. <laughs> exactly. That's what they do call me that. <laughs> um, so this year for Brisbane, it's not as much about the young players, and I, I know, and I know, I usually have a bank full of them, but. As you mentioned the one earlier, that probably is the most likely that to to break into the team this year is probably Ben Takura, and that one I got no idea that's going to go because he's got so big. Like he's a he's been a great prospect, but he's got so big you have to defy the odds to be up to the speed of first grade. Yeah, and, and it's, can just like, explain to people how it is possible to be too big for footy, not in terms of your your weight or whatever, but just in your like your yeah. height, your build. It like it is possible. I mean, Jordan Mylata went strong. that way, Yeah, right? Jordan Mylata's one. Uh, Will Skelton is another one. He was a great yeah. junior rugby league player, but at the senior level, getting back to 10 was was just too difficult for him. It wasn't a fitness thing. It wasn't even a mobility yeah. thing because he's light on his feet. It's just a lot of weight to be shifting. Yeah, and that's exactly it. And 
guys like like Nas, right, is two inches shorter than Ben Takura. That's Nas nuts. Nas is the largest <laughs> man I've ever seen in person. Yeah, and like he's two inches short and he looks too big to play footy and he defies the odds to be a footy player. He's mobile for his size. And even then, there's how many games did a Storm use him in three stints? That's a lot to use on a guy to get him on the field, but that's what it is, mate. The speed of the game, as we know, they sped the game up a bit further as well, that it's really hard to get up and back. And it's like, I know it sounds dumb, they're fit guys, but if you're a big fella as well, like you go do this outside one. If you go to the park one day, people, like don't just run up and back 10 metres lie down yeah, and get back up and run back 10 metres and then lie down again and then think that if your guys like Ben Takura, whilst he's damaging with the ball, teams are going to run at guys. They run at guys like that. They're like, get him soaked in, make him move around and get him just to go marker and do that when they turn with their head down kind of thing, you know, and that's it. We go. We go behind yeah. him. Once he's put his head down or he's, he's tired, we go. So You're talking to, someone who watched, think... who, talking to somebody who watched Dane Tilts for nearly 10 years. Until said exactly. his good days, and, but that's what it was like. Like he was a similar height. And if there's a guy that big who isn't quite up to it, uh, you know, mobility wise, it can be exploited and teams will go after it. Yeah. And, you know, there's not always opportunity to get that guy off the field. Like you can be killing a game and downhill running and Takura could be on fire, right? And then all of a sudden you you turn the ball over, other team forces two drop outs, so you don't they they retain them both, you drop the ball, you've defended five sets in a row, and that big fella's there, like gasping. And you're like, well, we can't do anything about that. We haven't got the rotations to do it. There's less subs in the world. So, like, Nas is, defies all that stuff. But the Storm is so built around rotating it on and off the field that they've got that down to a fine art. What I have hope for Takura is that in the current Broncos system, he could probably come off the bench and play 10 minutes at a side of half time and make a difference. Or even come on, like, they have so they, they rotate so few players through because of the minutes and Haas and Carrigan that he could only play a 15-minute second half in or something. That's great. But I hope uh, for his sake that they get him whip-cracking fit to play first mm. grade because he's going to have to be at that size. And sure, he might score a few tries, crash overs close to the line and similar, but it's you have the, you know, you, you only can run the ball so many times, but you're going to be targeted way more the other side of the ball. So it's a real challenge for him. Um, and the other guy I'd be looking out for, and this would take probably a couple of injuries, but Israel Iota is a, is a winger with lots of potential that, Again, he has a bit of a chance to make that side this year. That's probably we probably don't see him till Origin period, if then, because we still have that club still has Oates, as we said. Uh, Tristan Saylor will probably end up on a wing or at or fullback at Origin. Del Hoyda and Jordan Pereira. So there's a few guys that are probably in front of him right now. But Israel's another winger who played uh, 18s, oh, sorry, 19s Origin last year. Real athletic dude, quick as I think he's the fastest at the club just not playing first grade. I'm really shocked we haven't seen that hype piece from Pete Bedellis offseason. Wake up, Pete, mate. I know you're in Vegas. He's in Vegas, you know. baby. The time difference. These don't write, these, they don't write themselves, mate, these stories. <laughs> uh, so get on that. I believe he's the fastest at the club, and he's probably a shot of cracking it on. But most of the other guys, Brisbane fans, we're not really waiting for someone to get in that side right now. Like There will be in a couple of years, you know, or we'll, we'll Blake Moser maybe this year gets a shot. He probably does at some point. But there's also Kobe Black, who's a half that, you know, we wait a couple. We'll hear more about him next year yeah. because Reynolds is got probably in his last legs. And then there's, I forgot well, his name, but there's another young hooker already who will be putting pressure on Moser as well. So Hang there's on. always we haven't had We haven't had the next Cameron Smith and Blake Moser yeah. yet. So we're going we're gonna to be on to the next, next Cameron Smith. 
we may just be. So uh, there's already there's already a hot seat for for next Cameron Smith, unfortunately. For his, you don't just win the President Challenge, mate, without having three or four Cameron Smiths, you know, <laughs> at your whim. They're just, well, they're just mate, lying I'll, around I'll tell there, you, mate. the experience yeah, of 34 year old Joseph Tamane, former Wallaby, former Storm and Titans winger yeah. a thousand years ago. He's playing at South Logan now under the astute tutelage. Of Carmichael Hunt. Without the experience of Joe Tamane in that trial against Manly, did Brisbane win the preseason challenge? Hard to say. Oh, mate, Hard he's to a say. known winner. I mean, I mean, what you want, we look for winners, you look at the Wallabies. How do we get over here? Well, Wallabies look, were a decade ago, maybe. You know, we talked at the start about a grand final hangover. Who's won silverware more recently, Penrith or Brisbane? Great, great. Make, great makes you think. Makes you think. Uh, Cameron Bukowski is that guy's name, by the way. That's the other one. Cameron Bukowski. That, uh, yeah. But there's no... he sounds like a Polish middleweight from the 30s. Yeah, he does. It's a good name. I like that more than Blake Moser. I'm just saying it. I'm just yeah. saying that name. Blake, <laughs> Blake Moser is more of a rugby league name. Cam Bukowski, that, that, oh man, that could have been a, that could have been a smart for protagonist. Yeah. He's a sucker for a yeah. dame with games, dude. He should be a private eye or something. <laughs> he is. But the, the one hole they have that they haven't really got, there is one. I've already forgotten his name now, but it's like their best, next best young back rower is like 17. Yeah, the guys if they get if they get like three back row injuries, they're dead set calling like guys like Josh Stuckey, Ethan O'Neill, like Josh Patson, like average Queensland Cup players out to play. So uh, Rory Ferguson, sorry as well. That's they're not they're not big superstars of Queensland Cup. <laughs> so, um, hope hey, not. Ferguson, hope Ferguson's not. a great it. couple of years at South Slogan, also under special yeah. case tutelage, might I add. Uh, look, has, Moses, but, uh, yeah, I, I I take your point. It isn't really a team for for. A bunch of rookies. They've all sort of been blooded over the last we've had couple them. of years. Um, if I was picking someone for this, it would be Moser. But that's that's honestly more on reputation. I'd be lying if I said I'd seen heaps of him. It does seem to be a path for him to first grade in that bench hooking spot. Uh, Tyson Smoothie, yeah. sorry, grand final try assistee Tyson Smoothie to address him by his yeah. full his full title. But I guess for a player like Moser who is so acclaimed. Um, I'm glad that he's going to have to work for that. You know, I'm not sure if he's got sort of the rapid running game to to be a, to be that that bench option for them. I'm not not the Tyson Smithy who's Damien Cook or anything, but I imagine you'd want sort of a nippy running hook or something like that. I don't know if he's got that sort of game. Like I said, I haven't seen heaps of him, but I would say it's good for a player that so many people have such a high opinion of that he's going to have to fight for it a little bit. This isn't. You know, with all due respect, this isn't the Tigers where a young guy can just sort of get in there because it's easy. He's going to have to fight for this. Mm-hmm. And that's what they got wrong, though. The, and even, I don't want to put it all on Seabold, but they got wrong. That club got that wrong in the Seabold years is that they cleaned out a lot of the senior players to get the young fellas in. And it's like the young fellas, they've got to earn those opportunities. And Pia Kura last year, right? They, they didn't have to sign Kurt Capel, right? They could have backed the young back rowers in. But Pia Kura forced Capel out of the club. He showed he could do it. There's your jersey, you know, and that opportunity will exist for other guys like Blake Moser. When you get an opportunity, if you hold that, that'll be your spot. If you get, to, if you play well, you hold that nine, uh, fourteen jersey. I'm, and I'm with you that like that's the successful path to, path to first grade for me. Is that when you're a young player, you fight and earn that spot. You're not handed it. And even guys like Mariner, he's fought, he's beaten Corey Oates out in an off season when Oates is essentially fighting for his Broncos career. So you know he has had a good off season to get mm. that round one jersey. Yeah, it's interesting. I think a lot of the time we can 
when we look at the entirety of the league, as we always like to do, we can have a bit of a horses for courses approach when it comes to analyzing clubs. But I think it's important to remember that every club's circumstances are different. And that's not even necessarily with their roster. That can be with sort of the overarching uh, culture of the clubs. And that's something that permeates uh, all playing groups that come through. Like I always talk about how I think emotion is a bigger part of Canberra's process than at a lot of other Mm -hmm. clubs. And when they're successful, it's because a lot of emotion is tied into it. I think with Brisbane, I, I like I can get why they wanted to clean out the old guys and get the young blokes in because that is the textbook way to rebuild a club. But because Brisbane are Brisbane and they're well, until very recently they were a one a one team town in a very very large rugby league city, like there's an air of Broncos exceptionalism and that's existed since 1988 and it would be very easy for a young fella to get too big for his boots there. You know, it's hard to be a prince of the city. So I think for Brisbane, more so than maybe any other club, it's important to make those young fellas really, really earn it. You know, some guys at some clubs can be to the manor born and it works out. But at Brisbane, if you give everyone, if you give a young fella everything, all of a sudden you can start thinking he deserves everything already. You know, so uh, and I and I think I know he's not as young as probably many of those guys or examples we're using are, but I do think Tavita Pango Jr. is a bit of an example of that. That um he he's best and brightest moments are in Brisbane jerseys. He loved the crowds, loves playing it up to it. Has been a shell of that player and personality outside of that club. And who knows what happens this year? I'm not commenting on any of that stuff. <laughs> to me there, whatever happens. <laughs> But you that's know, because, that's because has brought you on as, as a spiritual advisor. It is. And a bit of a grass is always greater situation. They're taking the money at Canterbury and going down there. But it, he wasn't happy, you mm. know, like, but he got really, his reputation got really big at Brisbane. And that, and that period of them losing other young players too was a lot of that as well. A lot of guys who the team was not doing well, but reputation grew a lot because they were in Broncos jerseys and they all got left and got paid. And I don't know how happy a lot of them are now to what the group at Brisbane are right now. And you can look across the league at those guys. Like Xavier Coates left to win premierships. Brisbane are better than the Storm are. They bet, you know, that's it. Dave Fafita went down the road and he might be happy as well, but I don't know. I don't know if he's the same dude as when he was running around Broncos jerseys and scoring tries at Suncorp. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you've any, I don't know if any Brisbane players really go into green your pastures after they leave the club. I feel like we just stepped into an episode of Broncos Weekly, which is nice. Prove me wrong. Wait, well, I can't. I can't. And you know why? (laughs) Because I think Brisbane are going. I think Brisbane are going to win the comp. I think it's going to happen. I have them second on my ladder. I have them making the grand final. I have them beating the Roosters on the big day. I think. We open the season with them in yeah, Vegas. The, you're on the Roosters still. I'm on the Roosters still. <laughs> we close the season with Brisbane doing it in the grand final. I think losing last year will only make them hungrier. Like uh, there are some new guys coming in, but I think they'll make the team stronger in, but in just in different ways. Learn the error of my ways from last year. I'll never doubt Reese Walsh again. Bit of an 065 around the place. You know how it goes. I think Brisbane win it all. So do I. And I think, again, we didn't even touch on them a lot, but Walsh and Mam uh, are something else. It's their time in this league now. And uh, that's what it'll be on the back of. Adam Reynolds will be the consistent thing every week. Those forwards will be do what they do. But Walsh and Mam are the individual brilliance that make this Brisbane team different. And they're a different team to what good teams have been for a long time. 
you think back to premiership winners of the last 10 years and almost all of them are really effective strangling possession and defensive teams. The Broncos are not that. The Broncos are not that. The Broncos are, 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 are lobbing nukes from now into the field. They don't all hit. Sometimes hit, they hit. They, but they, hit all, they, they, they don't all hit, but they all blow stuff up. That's it. They all launch. They all, like, it's as they blow up in our own in our own territory. Some allies fall. It happens, you know. Like, but we're going to be launching nukes in some weeks. They all go the other direction. And that's why that team scores more tries than anybody from distance. They they score more tries and early tackles than anybody. They kick the ball early more than anyone because they're not afraid of anybody. And they weren't afraid in that grand final and they almost had it. But I do think this year that they're going to have that swagger again early. It's just about getting to the finals fit and inform. Mm-hmm. Like, because I think I don't, I don't think anyone is as good as they are right now. Like the first, I reckon the first month of the season, they might blow the comp away. It doesn't mean they'll stay that way. We've seen these teams sometimes come in and start that way. I don't think anyone, it doesn't, anyone's as good as Brisbane if they played, a, if the comp ended in two months. But the comp isn't ending in two months. It's just about getting to that grand final day through those finals and bat their best. Because uh, every year, Penrith get a little weaker and maybe they get less, just weak enough now. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to hit on about the Broncos that we haven't mentioned? I can't believe we haven't talked that much about Welsh, but like, what is there to say? You know, I'm with you. I think he's going to be one of the seminal figures across the whole league moving forward. I think the backlash is going to come. If it hasn't come already, it's going to come extremely hard. You could already but see He doesn't that. care. I, but that's the <laughs> thing. He doesn't care. He doesn't give a shit about anything except scoring tries and doing backflips. Like, would would that those were my only concerns, you know? But um, and he can't yeah, be baited into caring. No, well, you know, he's got to slow like, his brain. He's got to slow his brain sometimes. But we all have to but, do that. But it's like in those moments, he's had that few backlashes. He had that thing when he sprayed that a kid and his mother, and people tried to go at him. He didn't care enough. Like, and I'm not trying to take these shots at the troll for getting here example, but. The trolls are guy who has to carry a lot of weight that that Reese has to carry. The public eye, being this superstar, being one of the faces of the game, and often we do see the emotional side of the troll and that carrying a weight on him. And we hear the stories and we see him talk to the media and how he's sometimes shying away from it and doesn't want to play league that week or whatever. We hear nothing of the emotions of Reese Walsh. There might not be any. Well, I, <laughs> I, before, tries. before the the first battle of Brisbane last year, and I wrote a, a really big piece on the Dolphins and the Broncos. And a lot of the Broncos stuff was centered around Welsh because Brisbane was sort of back and sort of, you know, got had their swagger back and all that sort of thing. And I wrote about how it's hard to be Prince of Brisbane because it's a big weight to carry and it's crushed mm-hmm. plenty of players. It crushed Anthony Milford. You know, it broke poor old Brody Croft, who was never up to carrying it in the first place. It crushed him. No one had really, I don't think, been able to wear it since Darren Lockyer. And that was a different circumstance because mm-hmm. he came through the team when, there were a thousand other fellas to share the load. But Walsh doesn't just wear it. He wears it so lightly. If for him, it is not something that weighs him down. It is a propulsive force that, that pushes him mm. towards greatness. And like the people who have given it to him for how he played in the grand final are saying he played badly or blaming him for the Nathan Cleary try. Like if that's what you think, that's what you think. But know that I'll never agree with you on those points. Like your eyes are paying off the Nathan Cleary try. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. yeah. So I'm expecting another huge season for Walsh. I I don't think he'll win the Dally M because the Dally M is a narrative award and the Reese Walsh 
has broken out narrative has already happened, but it wouldn't surprise me if he is the best player in the league this year. I thought he was close yeah. to it last year. I probably had him in my top three last year behind Haas and Johnson, you know, like, yeah, I, yeah he's, 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 he's the he's, only the, guy the, 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 who could throw three intercepts he, in one game. Sorry, mate. And keep going. He's the only guy in the comic with three intercepts in one game, three intercepts in one game and throw the same pass the fourth yeah. time. Yeah. I love him. Anyone, anyone else you want to touch on? No, I think, I think we're good. They're, they're a good one. Oh, actually, we do have time for one dude. What about the Jesse Arthur story? He's the most unlikely Bronco eh? starter in round one in a long time. Like, he, he earned what? that last year. And he's keeping out, as he mentioned, all the guys Brisbane could have there. He's keeping them out. He's, he was, it was not a battle between Mariner, Arthurs, and Oates for a spot this offseason. How good was he in the grand final? Cracker. Particularly in that first half. He was fantastic. Like, I, he's a he's a real success story because anytime there's like a high flying glamorous team like this, and there's a an a, an outside back or a forward or something like that who manages to survive just because they do all the little things right, they finish all their chances, mm-hmm. they just sort of get it done. That's always nice to see. But then in the in the big one where like if I'm being honest with you, I think Penrith might have looked at Arthur's as someone they could really go after. They kicked at him a lot. They really tried to pressure him, and he didn't just stand up to it. He had a blinder. I think he had couple of line breaks out of his own end, did some really, really great stuff. There's not a lot of low-key Broncos. Like Brisbane don't really do that. You know, they're a star-making organization. Uh, yeah, but Jesse Arthur's a, a real, real success story for them. He is, and he's a funny dude. I used to reference him when people talk about, like, lack of depth around the league or similar. I used to reference him as, like, a good depth piece. Like, oh, why isn't this guy, you know, somewhere else getting a chance? And I guess that's almost insulting to me thinking he's not good enough to be a Bronco, but he's good enough to play first grade. He's more than good enough to be a Bronco. As you said, he was not just great in that grand final. He stood up in a lot of those finals games. And he is one of those dudes, you know, he's not the shine on the shoe, but he might be the, the he might be the rag. Oh, I like that. <laughs> you know? Jesse, like, the rag artist. <laughs> Oh God! No, 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 no! It's a, it's a thumbs up. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a, a compliment. It's a, ni- it's a compliment. It's a nice thing we say. Yeah, yeah. Mitchell Doyle, boy lover Doyle, calls him the rag. <laughs> the boy lover. Boy, boy, boy lover roast rag on podcasts. That's it. Oh, no, like, that's, that's terrible. The, yeah, but he 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 was great last year, and hopefully he keeps that up because it is again, it's a, the seasons are long. So you got it's a, it's easier to stay motivated for ten weeks. Hopefully he's good for twenty four or twenty seven. Sorry. Absolutely, Jesse Arthur's Clive Churchill medal winner. I'm just asking questions. Dally um, M narrative. Dally M. Well, mate, <laughs> if Ponga can do it in eight weeks, imagine what Arthur's can do with twenty four. Exactly. Um. So unfortunately, you don't get to choose any numbers for the team of the show roulette but that's only because all other numbers have been allocated so brisbane will be on the board there is a chance that they become team of the show i assume that will coincide with some sort of masked man style return on your part but we'll just have like to wait you're gambling on it too decides. it's like a, it's like a same roulette multi i can put together on this like, <laughs> <laughs> like we'll uh call up our dear friends at neds and see, see what they can what they can put together uh, mate, just while I've got you, is there any other general footy stuff that you want to get off your chest? No, I don't think there is. Uh, hopefully people have uh, enjoy the season as much as I enjoyed last year by, by the end of it. But um, I think we're in for hopefully a better season across the competition of com- competitiveness. I think there's a bit of change across the comp. 
and yeah, hopefully we have, have a really good year and we have an uh, actual top eight battle this year, hopefully. That would, be, that would be nice. Uh, a couple of years ago, yeah, it was the start of the 2020 season, you told me that there was a bit of a feel around Penrith. Last year you said there was a bit of a feel around the Broncos. Is there anyone that's given you that same sort of vibe this time around? God, I really did get on both those ones right. I know, it's of crazy. All the things I got wrong, those two are like heavily right. <laughs> <laughs> And they're both from outside the eight when I did that. That's good. That's good for me. And you know, again, the Broncos can do the same narrative outside of the eight to losing the grand final. There's your story, Kevy. Winning this year. Um, I don't have that same feeling this year. What I do have a feeling of is teams are too people are too low on the Raiders again. Oh, what just, a, what to come out here and simp for you, but like oh, it just Ricky, feels like they want to list. Ricky is is touching himself here and that. that that's like yeah. Ricky. Ricky is always wanting. Ricky's always wanting to hear. Hear that they're the underdogs and no one thinks they can do it. Yeah, but I see people pick them for the spoon or that kind of stuff. And it's like, I understand Jack Wynder lost. People obviously heard your feelings on him, but it just feels like, and this happens to the Raiders often, people have no idea who their other players are. So they're like, nope, come round one. People won't know who Ethan Strange is, right? And he likely plays 5-8 in round one. And he looks like a first-grade footballer. Doesn't mean, again, he's going to be great every week, but I think he could come in and really fill that hole for white and offer something completely different. And they might be a better team with it. And they're never going to stop playing hard. They're never going to stop frustrating other teams. And that's why they'll never come last. Like they'll probably always be in eight contention because like playing the Raiders, if you're another team, it sucks. Like, they <laughs> it, beat doesn't look the Bron- <laughs> it doesn't. They beat the Broncos last year by beating them up, up in Britain. That's a t- team that's hard to beat up. They beat them up in Brisbane and they beat them. Like, that team is, does play tough. They're going to niggle. They're going to play on the edge of, of the laws of the game. And they're going to steal some games they shouldn't. And they might lo- and they're going to lose some they shouldn't as well. But that's what the Raiders do right now. And the difference they're making or missing finals is those four or five, six-point games they win or lose. That's what happens every year. They're not going to just come 17th or 16th. They'll be between like 6th and 12th as always. So that's the natural habitat. 6th and 12th. Yeah, but- Making the eight with a minus two hundred points differential—that's the dream. <laughs> That's it. It is, and it's um, there are a bit of what mystery, like what will they get from guys like Morgan Smithies as well? You know what's the, then, but there's been no expectation placed on him either, which is kind of rare for a uh, British import for the Raiders. Yep. So Canberra Brisbane Grand Final. You heard it here first. That Rooster stuff. That Rooster well, stuff. The that Rooster stuff, that Rooster stuff was just a misdirect. I don't remember saying that. <laughs> um, Mitch, it's always, always great having you on. I love talking footy with you. I want to try and have you on a lot more this year. So hopefully we'll see you very, very soon. Thanks again, mate. Thanks to you too. And uh, goodbye, everybody. Say goodbye, Mitchell. <laughs> goodbye, Mitchell. Oh, I made him say it. All right, I'm back. Uh, I was excused from the Broncos preview due to my strong, strong opinions about them. Due, due to your proclivities. Which we won't name here. Yeah, for the record, uh, I do have them on my ladder, Nick. They are a team, uh, and I've got yep. them in fifth place. Really, outside the top four. Do you want to before we get to the Warriors? Do you want to elaborate on that just a little bit after um, mine and Mitch's uh, suck fest? Yeah, well, I think we're gonna. It's going to be a common theme in the next half an hour with the Warriors as well. But I think they overachieved a little bit last year, and I think another couple of other teams have gotten a bit better. And or won't be as bad as they were last year again. And they'll come back to the pack a little bit, come back to earth a little bit. Still be good. I mean, again, I think two through five is kind of whatever. They're all just chasing Penrith. But yeah, Adam Fifth, what are you going to do about it? Fight me? Did, I'd like uh, to see that. Did, uh, did one of the quackers you saw at Rottnest Island today whisper mm. this take in your ear? 
Yes, my new close personal friend, the Quokka I sent you a photo of. Yes, he did. He was... Um, you know what I found the, out today? What? The Quokka, right, famous for living on Rotnest Island. Correct. Rotnest is the Dutch term for rat's nest. Oh, so they're like the, rats. When the Dutch explorers first uh, got to Rotnest Island, they thought the Quokkas were just giant rats. Oh, there you go. They're very cute. An though. easy mistake to make. Yep, good boys. Um yeah, snorkeled, snorkeled past a shipwreck. That was fun. That's cool. All manner of things. Had a good time. And now getting ready to fly to Vegas tomorrow morning. So that'll be good. But before that, our last preview. 17 of 17, all done. And the best to last, some would say. Uh, not me, but, you know, other people. People who, <laughs> like the, people who like the Warriors. And joining us now, Brendan Bradford from Code. Welcome. Thanks for having me on, boys. Yeah, I'm definitely one of probably about 500 or so, uh, saving the best till last. There's, there's a few my hearts and, and a lot of bandwagoners after mm. last year you touched on it. Uh, a lot of bandwagoners. We'll see see this time, we'll see in about nine months whether the bandwagon is still uh, <laughs> still, still full. chock full. How was, uh, how was Anaheim, mate? Mate, it was, oh, look, rocks and diamonds. Yeah, um, well... <laughs> Not unlike the say, say 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 what you were over there for first. Yeah, sorry, yeah. I just think we're asking about Brado's trip to Anaheim. Mm. <laughs> we're over, covering uh, UFC two ninety eight, Volkanovski and Ilya Tapuria. Um, if you don't know how that went, don't ask. Um, <laughs> we're holding Chris Chard like eighty percent responsible, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Bobby Knuckles got a good win. A, that's a, right, he sure did, and that's when the event ended. Let's just focus on on that one. I am my vegan king, Ian Gary, as well. Like, what are we doing here? Like, <laughs> I think you're the only person in the world that likes Ian Gary. I have to, by but law. The reasons you, the reasons you have for liking him are very sound. Would you like to lay them out for the punters? Yeah, he's he's a big wife guy, and he's a vegan. So I have by law, I have to support him in his <laughs> endeavors, no matter how much of a weirdo he seems to be. Oh. And if he fights Colby Covington, he'll finally get the punters on side. So you know. That That's... might just be lose lose for everyone. Oh, come on, Brado. He's not that nah, bad. Look, He's all right. He's all right, Ian Gary. I have interviewed Ian Gary. He's a nice fella. He's a good guy. The last six months or so, not been great for the guy. Mm. Um, did you see? I don't know if you saw just a sidetrack. Did you see Dana's post fight presser? And uh, Jerno asked Dana, Oh, Ian Gary basically said, Ian Gary, bit of a shit fight, not a great performance. And Ian Gary standing at the back at the press conference, oh, really? and goes, and goes, oh, what what was shit about it? And Dana's like, this guy reckons you suck, <laughs> and, he just, <laughs> and he just went off at him. Good, yeah, that's good. That's good natured fun. If 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 one of your darling boys did something like that, we'd be like, oh, that's hilarious. But Ian Gary doesn't, and it's weird. <laughs> who, are my, who are my darling boys? Mark Hunt. He's never had a bad fight. That's true. That's very, no, not, very true. Not, not, not once. Famously. <laughs> <laughs> not even one time. All right. Let's leave the gloves outside the ring. Let's get into a bit of a Kiota Farnow type mood. Brado, the Warriors, is it our year? I, Matt Bungard, you touched on it at the top, and I'm just filled with dread that did we overachieve last year? Um, you know, has everyone figured out what the secret sauce is? Can we maintain? Um, that is that is my overriding sense heading into 2024. 
and, and I don't, and, and I just have no white basis or way of saying whether that's fair or not, just because 25, 30 years of being a Warriors fan has just drilled into me just to never expect too much. As much as I say, this is our year every single week. Um, so may, maybe you guys have a little bit more perspective on that as, as outsiders or, you know, as, uh, you know, an objective kind of view on it because um, I can't help as a Warriors fan be sort of pessimistic having had my heart broken so many times. I'll let Nick go first because he's definitely going to be the more optimistic of the two of us in this preview. So, Well, no, Brad, that psychosis that you're talking about where your team has absolutely broken you over years of roller coaster performances, I don't know it as well as you do, but I'm familiar with it. This is not... Uh, a, we are foreign, a foreign concept for me. And I think you're right to be a little bit sceptical because the Warriors have only made the finals in back-to-back -back years twice in their entire history, you know. And the last two times they made the finals was 2018 where they had a really good regular season and then kind of dropped their bundle in the finals. And then 2011 where they have that run through the grand final. Both times were followed up with lengthy finals droughts. Mm -hmm. And it's total, It's a very, very fair expectation to have. However, I do think a lot of the stuff that the Warriors were doing last year is going to be replicable to this year. And I think there's a couple of areas where we can expect some improvement as well. Like, So let's start with the latter because it sort of leads us into the big point for this team. Roger Tuovasashek is back, which is fabulous. I love it. I love it when the guys who go to Union come back home. I know what an important player uh, Tuovasashek has been for the Warriors, not just on the field, but off it as well. I know how tragedy is over there. I've been really impressed with how he's gone in these first two preseason trials. I There's a concern with the guys who come back from rugby. Most of the time they come back in and they're not quite the same. And mm. if they are the same, they can only put it together for about a year or so, like someone like Lodi Takiri did or Sam Burgess did, before time really catches up with them. But I've loved what I've seen from two of us. I think his work rate's been great. I think he's been a really good strike option from strike option for them on that left edge. If you were looking at that team last year, you would probably identify the left center, Adam Pomper. You had a pretty good year, but you would probably identify that as an area that they could upgrade. And now they've done that in a in what seems to be a very serious way. So what are you expecting out of the RTS comeback? And I think uh, like you'd sort of touched on there, if they tried, if they brought him back and tried to slot him back into fullback, I'd be worried. Like I would have hated that so much. That would have sucked. Like, like he's he's bigger. He's put on a whole lot of weight. Like he's put on muscle mass. Like he's he's bigger through the trunk and through the shoulders than he was when he left. So it was that would have never worked. Coming him back into center is perfect. Like it's it's perfect. Even the stuff that he would have learned playing. Uh, inside centre, whatever you guys call it over in Australia, we call it second five in New Zealand. That that just defensively, um, that he would have picked up stuff in rugby that uh, that will be applicable to now playing centre. Where I don't know whether he's played a hell of a lot of centre. I sh probably should look that up. Um, I don't. It, I don't think he's ever started an NRL game. There, there you it's go. All been, it's all been wing and fullback, and such a like, and particularly defensively, like. On attack, I think, you know, we're seeing flashes of the footwork. He's super powerful, even in the two couple of trials, like he's half-breaking the first sort of contact, first tackle. So, you know, he's not going to lose anything on attack. But defensively, I think 
his his couple of years or his you know however long it was in rugby union uh it'd probably bring a little bit more back um defensively with slotting back into center a, a position that he's never played um so yeah I, i'm i'm super high on roger um i think that's uh, like you say an upgrade big upgrade on adam pompey um interesting to see what they do at right center i've been i was impressed with rocco berry uh, on the right on the weekend and i think he's he's growing into a, a pretty good nrl center um but yeah massive massively uh confident with with roger coming back uh like slotted and set and forget that left that left side i think is looking really good yeah my 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 main issue is just that whilst two of shek has looked pretty sharp so far and I have no doubt that he's going to come back in and be a really important piece for them. And I agree with you both completely. It would have been awful to try and displace chance to try and put RTS back at the back at the back, but they just got so many career years out of guys last year. And I mean, I have no doubt that some of those guys are going to be great again, but there was, you know, I just rattling off some names like guys like Wade Egan, Bunty, uh, um, Bunty FO, Marcelo Montoya, uh, dudes who have never played that well before. Um, it, it's hard to imagine that they, they can do that again, but given that they've still got Sean Johnson and they get Tuvasa Shek back, I mean, there's probably still enough quality that you don't have to be too worried about that stuff. But for me, I don't know, maybe I'm overreacting a little bit, but again, there was just so many guys last year that really, really impressed me throughout the season. And it's kind of hard to imagine all of those guys just being able to do that again. I think you oh, you go, Rado. I was just going to say, like, I was kind of trying to think of what, you know, what 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 made the Warriors good last year, or if if you pinpoint one thing, and I and it ties into your point there that like I can't I can't really pinpoint like one player or one mm. certain thing. Like forward pack was good, defense was good for Warriors and good for good for twenty twenty three NRL season, like. The fact that I can't, you know, you guys are much brighter rugby league brains than I am. But the fact that I can't pinpoint one thing, actually, to me, to me, is a good thing because, you know, if I can pinpoint it, then you know, sixteen other teams can. But there, there are a lot of a lot of things came together, um, and a lot of guys had career years. But the fact that it's, I don't know, there's not one thing. It's kind of spread out over a team, over certain players, over certain combinations. It gives me confidence that. You know, if one thing isn't as good as it was last season, the whole thing doesn't fall apart, if that makes sense. And no, then, it does. It does. Yeah. Your five or six players, Dallin as well. Yeah, as good as SJ was, you were not a one-man team last year. There were so yeah. many guys yeah. playing good footy last year that, you know, it just enabled him to shine to the best of his abilities, I guess. So yeah. I think you're right. I think you make a good point, but when you talk about the guys having careers, but for me, it's actually not those... Uh, guys that fill out the roster. It's actually the fellas at the top end, right? So I think the three best players last year were Sean Johnson, Adam Fennell Blake, mm-hmm. and Charles Nickel-Klukstad. Each of yep. them had the best year of their careers. You know, Nickel-Klukstad's Nickel, Nickel improvement from even that first year at Canberra where he did so well, his improvement as a passer was 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 quite remarkable. I think he had 14 tries this last year, and I think he only had I think he only had 15 in his entire time at the Raiders. So that's sort of the mark of the jump that he had. It's probably not reasonable to expect another almost M season for Sean Johnson. It's probably not reasonable to expect another nine try season from Adam Fanua Blake. But I do agree with you both that the Warriors were kind of a well-functioning 
system last year. It was like a, it was a it was a machine with a lot of parts that all sort of worked together really, really well. You know, it, it can be that's a tough thing to quantify, but just sort of digging through some of the numbers, two things that really stood out to me, the Warriors were second in the league for decoy runs, which mm. indicates that there's a lot of off-ball movement. It's not just guys beating blokes or running over someone. It's well-constructed stuff. And then that sort of bears up that they had the most line-break assists of any team in the competition. You know, like a line-break can be just someone just hitting it up and busting straight through. But if, if there's a line-break assist, it means that there's been some element of creation in that play. If that's a nice backline sweep or someone hitting a hole or Tohu Harris throwing one of those nice passes around the road or whatever. So I think there is a temptation with the Warriors to always think of their attack as being like it was in the early 2000s with offloads and speed and power and, you know, throwing the ball over their head and it all just works and all that sort of thing. But that's not really how this team was designed. You know, yeah. this this was a, a very a very well well drilled team that got really really uh, great structural integrity off their edges and off Sean Johnson, and that was something that they were able to build on all the way through the season. So that's kind of what gives me confidence that they can have another really good year, even if you know we don't get Sean Johnson winning the Dally M or Chance Cookstad having the season of his life or Adam Fanua Blake winning me front row Friday. You know, like I. Because the, if I felt like there was structure there. I felt like they were building off something that they can replicate this year. That's what gives me confidence. And if you go back sort of five years to your 20, like the the the, the back couple of seasons of Sean Johnson's first career at the Warriors before he went to the Sharks, for so long, it just felt like give it to SJ and he'll dance around blokes like he did in, you know, between 2011 and sort of 2013, 14. The Sean Johnson that came back from the Sharks is like a proper well-rounded halfback. Yeah. So you, you go back to last year, and I, I still thoroughly believe that he should have won the Dell M last year. All right. That's uh, been, it's been ha- good having you, Brado. But um, <laughs> it appears your connection has been terminated. <laughs> he should have won it. He was, and I'm going to, oh, look, maybe he was robbed. I always say robbed. Oh, no, you said he but, shouldn't have won it. I know. I, th- I was wondering what your reaction was, Nick. I was like, "What are you?" Talking I, I about? thought you said he shouldn't have won. It. No, sorry, no, 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 no. I was. I'm just fired up, mate. Yeah, no, you, no, you. No, no. He should have won. We're on the yeah. same team here, man. It's just two Kiwis getting angry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I was going to say, I'm sure it's a like, deeply flawed system that was exposed for what it. it is. Yeah, that is it. But like, you, you go back through last year, and you know, the Sean Johnson highlights package. It's it's not what it was from. No, 20, it's, but a it's a completely different player. player. Yeah, he's a better player. He's it, like it makes the team much better. Um, and and, and then you, you got guys around him like like you say, Campo Tohu Harris playing as like a first receiver. Like he, there, there was a try yesterday, I think, who scored maybe Jack, oh Mitch Barnett's first try um, against the Dolphins. Just that the, the decoys Tohu Harris playing as a ball player. They've got you know Dylan Walker can come and play that as well. Like. There's a lot of lot of parts to it. It's not all on Sean Johnson giving the ball. He's going to do something crazy with it. Um, it's an actual. It feels like an actual team, an actual system, um, which <laughs> which seems weird as a Warriors fan. It, it, it doesn't feel like we've had that for a long time. We've mentioned Tohu Harris a couple of times. Anyone who's listened to this show for more than a week knows that he's one of my favorite players in the competition. Magnificent last year in the middle of the field a really great passer, a great leader for them. If he wanted to run for Prime Minister of New Zealand, I would 
fly across and work on his campaign. <laughs> is it legal to have foreign nationals working on a prime ministerial campaign in New Zealand? Yeah. Doesn't matter. I was, I'm just going was... to get it done. I'm going to get him to the big house. I was shocked you were even here, Nick, because I assumed that you were still chained to one Denison Street in North Sydney in protest after he was left off the nine SMH top 50 list entirely in what can only be described as the greatest travesty of something tangibly related to rugby league since Chris Sandow tied with Todd Carney in that boxing fight. Um, it's, been a try, it's been a trying few days for everyone at Team Harris. But I say all that to say this. Tohu Harris is part of why I found the Kurt Capewell signing a little bit inexplicable. Like I, I didn't think Kurt Capewell had a great year last year. Um, I thought he was started really poorly, sort of worked his way. Really bad in the grand final, though. And then was pretty poor in the grand final. And when the Warriors have so many good young forwards coming through, like they always do, you can throw a stone and hit another, just another like really powerful, rangy, athletic guy that they've dragged off dragged out of somewhere in Auckland or dragged off a farm in the South Island or something like that. Capewell's signing was a little bit strange to me because those qualities that people says he brings, you know, leadership and attitude and all that, I would have thought that they get that from Torhu Harris. They get that for a lesser extent from Fanua Blake. They get leadership from SJ. They get it from Charles. They're going to get it with Roger coming back. So that didn't seem to me to be a missing ingredient for the Warriors. And it's a signing that I'm kind of struggling to get my head around a little bit. Brad, what do you think of it? It's, and I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold out judgment to see how it goes. I mean, but it, tying into your point, and I know you're a big fan of the fella, but Jackson Ford seems like he could slot into a first, the starting NRL back row. And I think he should. I think he's earned that right. And he played pretty well on the weekend and he's, he's done everything. Kurt Caton coming in, I don't think, he, may, he might even make, this, make the 17 Jackson Ford. Um, so it's just a, it's just a strange one whether it's depth. I don't know whether they're just I don't know, but yeah, yeah. Well, well I'm just gonna have to say that we'll we'll see. Yeah. I'll hold out. From what I can gather, the idea is that Capewell actually starts on the right edge. So Jackson Ford still starts on the on the That's left edge where he was so strong last year, and Murata Niakore moves into the middle rotation with a view to him eventually replacing Adam Fanua Blake as sort of the lead yardage horse gotcha. on the team next season. I, that, that, that's that's just kind of like what I've heard. That obviously could could change very quickly. But it, it was a funny one to me, especially since the the, the two edges last year, uh, Ford and Neocore, were, were, were both so strong. You know, Neocore sort of had some injury and suspension problems here and there or whatever, but surely there'd be a young fella that they could just slot in instead of, Making a move for Kate. Well, it was it's a it was a bit of a head scratcher for me. Unless they thought it was you know Josh Curran leaving, you know they get a, a you know a, a, what they thought was an upgrade, more experienced kind of guy played in you know played for Penrith, played in a grand final team with the Broncos. I don't know whether that was the the thing. It's got to be something like that, right? It's got to be something. That, gotta, yeah, this seems this is like a pretty regular thing. It was like a, a pretty decent team, like signs an aging forward, and everyone collectively kind of goes. Why are they doing that? And it rarely works out. Like last year's one was Taxins, for example. It's like, why are Melbourne doing that? And it didn't really work out. I'm not, I, and I, I don't think Capel's at the stage of his career Taxins, but I do think that it's telling that not a Broncos fan among them was sort of devastated that Capel was leaving. They're all that, quite that, happy to see him go. Lot. That said a lot to me. Yeah, which is, that's that's to me is always a good gauge of a signing is looking at the reactions of the club that's just lost the player. If you don't know much else about them, or if you don't know how to feel, 
as a general rule, like if the fans are kind of like, well, all right, that's fine with us, then it, it's it's usually not going to work out well for the team that's getting that guy. But we'll see. Maybe that's mm. maybe that's not the case this time. You you've mentioned um, Bungard last year that you know the Warriors were good, but they're they a little bit off the pace from from Penrith and, and 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 Brisbane in the finals. One of those ways that I think they can make up that gap is getting a full season out of Luke Metcalf. So he was a five eight who joined them from Cronulla last season. He came into the team in round 13. So pretty much at the halfway point of the year. The Warriors were sitting in 11th at the time, and he got ruled out for the season after round 26, at which point the Warriors had gone up to fourth spot. His addition to the team directly coincided with them going from, oh, yeah, the Warriors to, oh, yeah, the Warriors. You know, he's super fast. He's a great support player. He loves buzzing around the middle of the field hitting lines off Wade Egan and Sean Johnson. He really, really gives this gives this Warriors backline a whole lot of zip. You know, SJ doesn't really run the ball like he used to anymore. Charles Nicol Klukstad is one of my absolute favourites, but he's a, a bit more of a workman-like runner. He's not going to, like, slice a team to pieces with his speed or footwork. He's going to wear him down over time. So having someone like Metcalf in the team for the full season – I think that's something that can raise this team's ceiling a little bit. And I thought they missed him really badly in the in in the finals, not just the first one against Penrith, where they were always going to be up against it, but against against Brisbane as well, where Tamari Martin, who, who I rate as well, but just isn't as uh, electrifying as mm. Metcalf. So he's someone I'm expecting to have a really, really good season if he can just stay on the field, if he can just sort of shrug off those injury problems. Yeah, I'm, I'm massively excited about getting a like you say, getting a full season, getting having him in the in the team in the thinking in the system for from round one right through. And like you say, yeah, it was notice, noticeable when he came in. We went up the ladder, and then when when he was is missing, uh, you know, in the pointy end of the season, it kind of it didn't go pear shaped, but you you noticed him not. Yeah, that. yeah. And I think just thinking back to that Broncos game, it was, you know, we. we Went behind, you know. You know, everyone knows we went. We went behind, and it was a grind. I think Campo, you and I have spoken about this. We, we were grinding our way back into it, or back into the contest in the start of the second half. But you just needed a spark from somewhere, and it's probably not going to come from Sean Johnson these days. He was, he was doing the, you know, the yeah. the, the leadership, and uh, Nickel Clockstar is going to take a lot of big carries and. and you know, he's got to, you know, maybe break a tackle or two, but you needed someone with a bit of, you know, someone dynamic like like a Metcalf um, to, to try and break things open. Um, and then obviously, I was like, look, I, I can't go past. I, I'll never give up. I'll never stop not talk about the forward pass that was missed. I'm not going to say it ruined everything, but it felt it like we were so close to getting, <laughs> getting a foothold back into that game, just getting You back. lost by 700 points. <laughs> Yeah, let it go. Bro, we, we we spent like fifteen minutes just grinding, grinding back in, and it was like we'd finally just about, and then it was just from the other end of the oh, field. Come on, you were never, well, you were look, never winning that game. Look, the, the... You, yeah, we needed everything to go our way, especially. That's true. No, Maybe if you'd got an extra tattoo from the free tattoo caravan that they were doing, you should have won, that, Did you consider that? Did you consider how that could have inspired the team? Maybe, look, maybe that's that's what went wrong. Maybe it's on you. Maybe. maybe. Just asking questions. But, see, like, but like the, the, the parallel realities of the multiverse aside, 
<laughs> and I know the pass was was forward of him. Brisbane were able to score that try because they have that explosive attacking stuff exactly. through Walsh, through Mam. And I'm not saying that Metcalf is as good as those two boys, but like he he has that same skill set, man. He's fast. He's a great support player. He's got wonderful footwork. Loves knifing around the middle of the ruck. So yeah, big big Luke big Luke Metcalf guy here. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, just, just, a, for, just for yeah. sort of halves and that, Chanel Harris-Tavita obviously offers something completely different to Luke Metcalf, but um, it, it, as much it's depth as much as anything and just a good, solid, hard, hard-tackling um, half. Good and, and good to see him back in the game, good to see him back in the, in the, at the Warriors as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I thought it was a really uh, mature and very brave decision from him to sort of walk away from footy for a year. Cause for a lot of guys, footy's all they know. And if they're not getting what they want out of the game or if the game's not making them happy, they just keep doing it mm. because it's, it's, it's been their entire lives to this point, but having the maturity to say, you know what, maybe this isn't for me. I need to go and work some stuff out and then maybe I'll come back. But you know, I've only got one life and I got to live it my way. I think it's really brave because a lot of guys would leave and then maybe never get it back. And maybe they look back in years in years in the future and, and regret giving up that chance, you know? So it's a hell of a thing to give up. Um, but I'm really glad he's back too. I, I've, I have a lot of time for him as a player and as a bloke. Um, Chanel Harris-Tavita come to Canberra. But, like, he's, he's super tough, got a really solid kicking game, as as good a backup as anyone could ask for. It's great to see him back. Yeah. He's made some big hits too. People talk about his defence, but I, I don't know if, there, if there's not a YouTube highlights little package of Chanel Harris to beat a big hits, uh, there should be because uh... but put it on the TikTok. All right, yep, uh, I've got. Here comes the boom, ready to go. Nice. <laughs> but oh, um, with these, oh, yeah, you go, mate. Oh no, no, I was just going to say, like, it, it's it's very interesting when you have two guys vying for a half spot where they're just diametrically opposed, like in terms of game, and you don't get sort of two very different players than than, than him and Metcalf. But it'll be it, it's just good to have options. It's always good to have options. It's always good that you can go in another direction if things aren't going right over the first few weeks of the season. And and, and Metcalf is a very very direct, very explosive player. And if that stops working after a couple of weeks, they do have they could go in another direction if they want. And I think that that's just that just makes them stronger. I'm saying all these nice things about the Warriors, and it, it, it's just it, it's just made it apparent that I might, I might have just like. They might just be the team this year where when I was doing my ladder, I just kind of forgot about them and then had to shoehorn them into a spot that's far too low and now I have to justify it for half an hour. But I will say in that regard, I will, uh, my, my main thing with the Warriors is kind of what your thing is with the Sharks, Nick, in that whilst they had some great moments last year, a lot of them came against poorer teams and basically every time they played one of the one of the big teams, they, they, they wilted. I think that really the only time in basically the entire season where... I would say they had a really impressive win against a good team was that second week of the finals win against Newcastle. Basically, every time they played teams like Penrith, the Storm, the Roosters, the Broncos, even South, if you want to throw them in there, they wilted. They Why couldn't get over the hump. In there? They didn't make <laughs> they, I'm just going to gloss over that. Um, but that, to me, is a concern because I don't know that with the Warriors, the way they're constructed, how high their ceiling is. And I think maybe Tuivasic, if he can come back and be close to what he was before he left, that could be the guy that puts them over the top because I think they need someone to do that because as they're built right now, I just think we talked about that prelim briefly. They didn't have anyone that was capable of throwing counter punches in the way that Brisbane had with guys like guys like Reese Walsh running the length of the field. They don't have a guy really that, that can do that for that's not who Sean Johnson is anymore, but it could still be Roger Tuivasa-Shek. I don't know. So how much, how much does his presence, I guess, 
fill you with the confidence, Brad, that they can go into these big games against these other big teams and, and come away with better results than they did last year. You, you're right. Like, just I can you know go back to the Penrith, couple of Penrith games, Broncos that we just almost never in it kind of thing, you know. Um, but and, and again, I I think his presence will will be a boost, but you know that can only go so far. I don't think he's going to be like a game breaker. Um, like he was back in the day, but he's playing center. He's gonna, he's gonna be. He's gonna defensively. I think he's gonna shore up that left side. You'll always get meters out of him. You might get an offload. I don't know whether he's gonna be that game breaker. Um, but yes, yeah, so I, I just don't think he alone is gonna be the difference in you know competing with the Broncos or Panthers or you know whoever else is gonna be in the top three or four this this season. Um, I, I I just think it's it's things like being being front runners, being being more confident, not not sort of not sort of uh, being you know a surprise top four team. It's it's about having that confidence of of actually being a top four team and mm. and, and taking on the that that pressure of expectation as well. I think that's 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 more what it's going to be about rather than than Roger. I take your point. Bungard about them struggling against the top sides and they were not as good as Brisbane and they were not as good as Penrith last year. Like anyone can see that forward passes, uh, not, a, not, you know, forward passes aside, but I think because those two were so far ahead of the pack last year, I think it's a mistake to lock to put anyone else in sort of that top team basket. Right. So the Warriors played Melbourne once last year. And they played the Roosters once. That was in back-to-back weeks. That was in round eight and nine, well before they'd sort of become what they eventually became. Other than that, the teams in the top eight, they played Newcastle three times, beat them twice. They played the Sharks twice, beat them twice. Once an incredible comeback win at Shark Park very early in the year. Weird that Brad then... is not talking about forward passes from that game. Interesting. <laughs> and then um, they tore them to pieces later in the season. Mm. They, pay- they played... The Raiders twice, who say what you will about them, were a well, top they, eight. They nearly threw that top game eight away, side, though. and they and they and they beat them twice. Like so, I I I like they were off the pace of the top teams last year. But I think the top teams was a group of two, you know. And I think on that next run down, which has Melbourne and uh, the Knights and the Warriors and the Sharks, I think the Warriors were pretty clearly the best of those teams, mm. you know. And I think the head-to-head record sort of shows that out a little bit. So they do have to take another step forward because, like we've said, I think that many times on these previews, I think there's going to be more good teams this year. I think there's going to be more teams that have a genuine chance at winning the Premiership. But for me, the Warriors should feel like they can be in that mix. Yeah. I I, Honestly, we've said this on half the shows so far this year, I reckon, but... Apart from my bottom three, I give anyone a chance, really, of making the finals and, and making some noise. Dolphins sort of on the life support now with the Gilbert injury, but still, like, basically everyone except Tigers, Bulldogs and Dragons, I'm thinking, yeah, maybe. Maybe this is, maybe they can shake it up a little bit. And that's, Mate, I guess yeah. that works in, 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 like, that's both a good thing and a bad thing because there are fewer easy games for, for teams who sort of, you know, want to get back on top. But yeah, I think it's going to be great for us this year. I don't think it's going to be able to take many results for granted at all. If having hope in February is wrong, then I don't want to be right. Yeah, you know, <laughs> absolutely. Rado, there's a thousand good young fellas at the Warriors. Who's someone that's standing out to you? Tane Tuapiki. 
He's my man. He was your guy last year. You can't do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fuck. No, I'm, I'm allowing it. I'm allowing it. <laughs> well, he's only played five games. Like, he was my... It's, it's, it's good. Keep going. Keep going. Well, what, what's the eligibility for rookie of the year? Is it five games, Nick? Five games. Yeah, no, so he's, it's, he's it's, eligible. It's, it's fucking stupid. It's like, I think it's six games, but it can be over the preceding two eligible. seasons. So is he eligible? I don't know anymore, but like, let's just go with it. Yeah, I'm allowing it. Ali, Ali Liotawa, who's Ali Lawatiti's uh, nephew, I think. Um, <laughs> That's not confusing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Look. We'll go into it. He, he's he's one to watch. If I can't do Tane, I'll do. You can do Tane. Talk to us you about can. Tane. <laughs> Tane to a pricky. Uh, he played. He played fullback. Uh, we played fullback on the weekend, but uh, really good debut. Couple of games last year. Electric, dynamic, little nuggety um, ball runner. Skillful as well. Uh, one to watch. Uh, a little bit like if you've watched so far along at the Storm, similar Ooh. sort of. Similar stature, similar. Born similar. in Manly, what happened there? Interesting. Uh, I am yeah. going to take a guess that his father was playing lower grades at Manly at the time. Oh, I like that. All right, mm. good. I liken Tane to a picky to Kevin Locke a little bit. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's good stuff. A little bit thicker, a little bit thicker, a little, 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 little bit thicker than the road runner, but um. I'm glad that I pushed you back on a Tainsail picky because Ali Liatawa was going to be my guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, I'm a tremendous fan. He, he got the one NRL game in last year. It was the one uh, where they played the Raiders in Canberra in Croker's 300s. So a pretty big environment for a fellow to make his debut. Had a good game then. I saw him play a lot of lower grade footy. He's really strong for the Warriors, New South Wales Cup team. Uh, scored a good try on the weekend against the Dolphins as well. And he's a, a a really big, athletic, skillful, powerful type type center. I was thinking for a while that um, he'd be able to replace Rocco Berry, but I'm with you, Brad. I've been pretty impressed with Berry through these two first two preseason games. He looks to have really upped his hole running, which is really nice. And if you do that outside Sean Johnson, you'll score points. But Ali Liatawa, I think, will no doubt get some first grade in this year. I'm really excited to see how he goes. Yeah, I screwed up. They're 14th on my ladder, but that's just because I forgot about them, which is far too low. And I'm sorry, 14? but that's I just explained terrible. it. I just forgot about them. Disrespectful. I want to move them up like six places, but that's not allowed. It's not allowed in the spirit of the. It's not allowed in the spirit of half-assedly making our predictions for the ladder, <laughs> as we do team by team previews, and Just forgetting out well. the ones that come at the end. I'm sorry, Brado. They'll finish much higher than 14th, <laughs> but if they well. don't, I will take credit for this. <laughs> I really He's playing both sides, so he always comes always out. Always come out on top. ESPN did their predicted ladder. Yep, Warriors. Yep. Minor premiers at ESPN NRL. Dis, d- disarray between yeah. the walls as yeah. a worldwide leader. There's chaos yeah. at the worldwide leader. No, oh, I did have man. a chat to I, I did have a chat to Darren who put that together last week when I was in and he, he is very high on the Warriors. So yeah. Maybe he should host this show instead of me. <laughs> or turn it into the Warrior Hour. Yeah. You you would See, love you, that. You don't you don't give me as much shit about it. But what you have with the sharks is yeah. pretty much what I've got with the Yeah, because I want my friends to be happy, Nick. And you're 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 bitter and, and you know who my best friend is? Me. Books. And I want him oh. to be happy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my close friends, Tom Sawyer, Huckleberry Finn, <laughs> etc. Ever heard of them? Um, yeah, where have you got them, Nick? 
Uh, I have them in sixth spot, which is down a couple from last year. But I'm ex- I'm wouldn't be surprised if that's a little bit higher. I think they definitely make the top eight. And when uh, Prime Minister Harris is sworn in, mm. Matt Bungard will be declared an enemy of the state. Yeah, that's totally that is that is fair. That's I deserve that. <laughs> I, I know. I look forward to um I look forward to posting this ladder on our socials in the next couple of days and getting abuse from Warriors fans. And you know what? I deserve it. I deserve it for not planning ahead. If I was, if I was, if I had less honour, I would just bump the Dolphins out right now after the Gilbert injury and put the Warriors all the way up to the top eight. But I can't do that because that's not how this works. Where have you got them, Brado? Um, I I was I haven't given it much thought. I'm going to go fifth. Okay, and if you check the little chat log off to the side there, mate, there's four numbers left on the roulette wheel to determine who the team of the show will be. You can pick two of them, and the other two will go to the Broncos. So what am I doing? Just just choosing two numbers here? you got 28, yeah. 29, 30, and 35 are the only slots left. You can have two of those. All right, I'll take 28 and yep. 30. There you go. All right, so the Broncos will get 29 and 35, and that's the rule that we all filled, Nick. The wheel decides. The wheel will decide. So oh. have you decided, have you, the wheel has decided, but have you decided when you're going to spin said wheel? Uh, I've got to wait till I'm with like Neil or someone that's going to make sure I don't cheat if it's the Bulldogs. Yeah, okay, I trust yeah, Neil, so, that's all right. Yeah, well, do you not trust Charlie? I didn't know Charlie would be there. She's coming, yeah. yeah. Of, course I, of course I just trust. No, I didn't know oh. she was going to be with you when you were doing the spin. Uh, she loves roulette. I don't, know, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know what you got planned for Vegas, mate. It's all I don't either, man. See some shows, watch some footy. I don't know. Are you just going yeah. as a fan? Are you working at all? Yeah, we're doing shows every day and stuff. We're doing content for ESPN. Thanks for listening to the shows before this one, Brad, where we explained all this. It's really appreciated. Oh. Never reading code again. <laughs> <laughs> to that end, anything to promote? <laughs> you can tell other people to read it. I'm not going to. <laughs> like and subscribe to Code Sports <laughs> if you feel like it. Hey, code <laughs> can't afford to lose readers either. <laughs> Buy the newspaper. No. Oh. Print media is back. Oh, they've got Brado going door to door with a wicker basket full of papers, offering, <laughs> offer, asking if people want to buy one. Brado doesn't time. live too far away from me, and I can confirm I saw him on a street corner hocking papers earlier today. <laughs> oh, get him! If he had a soapbox, yelling out extra, extra. Oh yeah, uh, yeah I'd buy one. <laughs> if I, to be fair, if I saw like a kid with the like old man hat yelling out extra, extra something, I'd probably buy one. I probably it's would. A ch- child labour is all that's stopping you from buying the paper. Correct. That is exactly right. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Well, when Prime all Minister right. Harris is sworn in, we're bringing that back, I'll tell you. Mate, the, those kids will get a 12-hour shift in the mines and they will like it. <laughs> and if they don't like it, tough. Um, right, before we get out of here, thank you to the people in the top two tiers on our Patreon subscription service. If you'd like to support us, go to patreon.com forward slash NRLB Rookies. You get access to a Discord server, a third show every week, merch discounts, entry into the Coltrane Cup, and uh, Brendan Bradford will write a story about a niche athlete of your choosing. Can you confirm that? I'll do it. Excellent. All right. Thank you to Alex Sergicomi, Chris Avnell, Dave, Michael, Braith. Braith, the penalty's going against you. Ah, you're off your head, Murray. Rocky and Rafi, Stu, Weak Gutted Wayno, Ashley and Martin, Broncos legend Adam Reynolds, Bruce the Pom, Butsy, Chivak, Snuffleupagus, Dan Cullinan, David, an anonymous backer, Ed Burton, future Clive Churchill medalist, Keon Colomatangi. I can't yell because Zoom cuts my microphone out. I up my subscription just to hear you read this out while I was on your show. I was saying poo 
I'm Matt Bungard and Rhea Ripley suplexing Nia Jax was my sexual awakening. Oh. Wow. Jason, Joe, Joel Wrigley, John, Josh Brandon, Kicks Outside of the Comp, Lachlan Hancock, Luke Charles Smidmore, Mads Taylor's version, Matthew Duggan, Morgan Watkins, my name is Nick Campton and Rugby Union is my favourite type of rugby. My ding ding dong is hard and I'm sad. Never trendy. Nick Kotrick lived on my street, subliminally coaching him to run it straight. Nick the Segway Sage Campton. Oh, what about that? Send him off. Send the dirty. Get off. Get him off the field. That were diabolical. Paul Max 78. Please change that one, mate. I hate it. Reese Brown, Roxanne Clark, see you in Vegas, Shunter. Sometimes even the great Rodrigo Eduardo forgets to change his name. Sorry, I forgot to mention, Trump sneakers are now the official shoe of the pod. T2T, give me the fucking ball. The black vegetable, Thor, Tom Hardy, was. We're now finishing out to everyone who's and to everyone who's listens. All this is please send five of your Australian dollars to at the Matt Bungard on Twitter and Westlife Podcast. Uh, West Tigers are back, baby. Thank you so much for your support to everyone in the lower tiers and to everyone who just listens. Thank you as well. Well, yeah, <laughs> we've all, well, I think we've all just been on a little journey there. <laughs> I really have. I, I have to, uh, that, that people know if you're thinking about <laughs> signing up, I have to say it, whatever you're right. I have to say it unless it's against link or like my wife or Nan, that's it. Or, no I family, can... whole family, whole family. Yeah. <laughs> just, just nipping that in the bud real I, quick. No, well, what, is someone going to slander big truck? Like, is that going to happen? I'll allow big truck slander. No yeah. one else. Big, big truck is uh Bungard's brother. Yeah. I don't know his actual name. I just call him Big Truck. Yeah, I hope you never learn it. Yeah. Um, the small addition to give me the fucking ball, T to T, which stands for tap to tap. And that's what you do when you're at the pub and you get, you order a drink from every single tap over the course of the afternoon. Jeez. Go all the way across. How many it's, taps were there when you did this? Um, I think there were about eight or nine. It's not bad. So, yeah, it no, it's a, it's, yeah, it's a hell of a way to write yourself off. Mm, absolutely. All right, Brado, thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate your time. All right, and say goodbye, Campo. Goodbye, Bertrand. That's goodbye from me. Next stop, Las Vegas.